Welcome everyone to Catfish Weekly. Along with Chuck Davison, I'm Lyle Stokes. Tonight we have the great privilege of having John Jameson on the show with us, and we'll get to that in just a second. I know y'all are dying to, to, to ask John some questions. Um, there's a couple things that, that we want to talk about first. Uh, Cindy and I would fish the tournament in Alton uh, two weeks ago, and uh, we had a really good time down there. We met a couple down there. Nikki and her husband, Nikki Norquist. Um, these folks was just so infatuated and, and such good people that they we we stood outside the uh, uh, motel and visited with them about catfishing and boats and and different things. And I just want to let everybody know that this is how things get started with with bringing uh, new people into the sport. Uh, these was some outstanding people. They just uh, got reacquainted, got together, and I think they're planning on getting married. And I was just really happy. They was awesome folks, and and I just wanted to bring that up. And uh, at the same venue, when we pulled into this motel, there was a a couple and another guy sitting on the bench out front, waiting on a a taxi to come get them. And they looked familiar, but of course everybody looks familiar. You see so many people, and and these folks happened to be members. When in fact. Uh, one of them, the lady was the secretary for the Clarksville Boat Club, which we are a member of, and uh, they had boated from Clarksville to Alton and was spending the night and, and or two and going to have some fun. And, and, and that's just how the fishing thing goes. So whenever you can visit with someone about catfishing and make the sport better, it's just an awesome thing. Uh, John? We're so glad to have you on the show tonight. Uh, it's, uh, it's just great that you take your time out and spend it with us. And uh, uh, I want to thank you before we get started for, for spending your time with Catfish Weekly. Well, Kyle, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. And it's always my pleasure to be able to visit with you and, and to talk about catfish. Well, that's great. Um, Chuck, uh, I know that you have some stuff that you want to visit with John about, and I'm going to let you guys take off. And when you're done, I have a few things to visit with him about. You folks that's in chat, if you have any questions for John, anything we need to visit with him about, feel free to let us all in, and uh, we'll pass this word along. John is on the phone. He does not have a video cam or internet connection that will let him uh, be live with us uh, on video, so we're doing it all over a phone. So send those questions in, and we'll get them to him just as quick as we can. Okay, Chuck. How you doing, John? Glad to have you on. Um, great, man. I can't wait for this fall bite to come on. It's, this is my favorite time of the year, and I'm getting wound up. I understand that. So why? Oh, uh, well, John, um, we, we haven't had on, uh, you know, too many uh, tournament anglers that have been through um, all the experience and all the years that you've put in. And, uh, here in Alabama, around in 2007, 2008, we started going through a lot of changes here and enforcing the 34-inch rule uh, where only one person could keep a catfish over 34 inches per day and uh, no transporting uh, fish over 34 inches across state lines. Uh, but when that came into effect, that also started affecting the tournaments. Uh, could you give us some examples of some tournaments that you did fish in Alabama back uh, when the, when we had the old regulations with, uh, 
you know, with no limits compared to the uh, the regulations we have now and the difference as you see and uh, you know the, you know how you like it.
here in the air, they do it in moderation. But I'd like to see the regulations to support that. So I'm trying to ramble on and on with the question there, uh, but that's kind of my opinion on it. Chuck? So, so if Alabama said, okay, we're, we're going to work with y'all tournament anglers, and uh, instead of bringing in two over 34 and three under, uh, we're going to let you bring in your three biggest fish. Um, would you think that would be better for tournaments than the uh, two over and three under? I personally do because that allows you to bring in your three biggest fish to scale. You don't have to rely on that, you know, call it a one factor to catch your fish in another 34. Give me an example, I think, in another tournament down there, which we got our two over, which can be pretty easy sometimes. And uh, every fish that caught after that was 34 and a quarter, 34 and a half, just could not get, you know, that fish right under, under 34. So there is a certain amount of, of luck involved. And uh, personally, yes, I would like to see three over instead of doing it the way it's currently done. Awesome. That is great. Okay, so you're from out there around the uh, Great Missouri River, which is on my bucket list. I, I would love to get out there and fish that river. Um, do you rather, um, do you prefer fishing the, the Missouri River um, other than the, um, the larger lakes in your area? Absolutely, I'm a current fisherman, and uh, I primarily fish the Missouri River. I grew up fishing lakes, we fished rivers, we fished everything, and we still fish some of the area lakes that around in Kansas and Missouri, and I enjoy it. But if I have my pick, I'm going to go to the Missouri River every time because I'm a current guy. Some of the techniques and stuff that we do, we're better suited to fish currents. It's just what I like to do. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I, I've I've watched some of your shows on the um, on the Sportsman's Channel and and so what to where, you know, you was out um, you know in the lakes, uh, you know, doing a little bit of uh, drifting and stuff. Um, I've never got to see um, you know a televised show with you on the Missouri River, which I would love to see. Um, so when you're out on the Missouri River, um, you know, did you did you start doing a lot of uh, you know walking baits and stuff like that at an early age, or is that something that um, you know you just came to start doing in the past you know ten years or so? Was it used to be like mostly all anchoring and stuff, and then you just moved into walking baits and stuff here recently? So, uh, actually, what happened, uh, going back into my childhood and, 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 and my tournament partner's childhood, uh, I've known my tournament partner for, often for, I don't know, 35, 40 years, about 40 years. Fished a lot with his dad. Uh, we were kids, and, and I think with Mark's dad, and my dad always took me. We grew up fishing a lot of small rivers. One of the rivers is called the Meredith River, which is close to my home now. Um, and which turns into the Osage once it gets over into the state of Missouri. But 
we would go to uh, Mary's meeting, we could Kansas River a lot for the call, if you will, and we waited a lot in the small river. Bay, and we actually stand out in the ripple and we would walk bait. So I've been walking bait since I was probably seven or eight years old. So it's my son, my partner, Mark. So we've always done that from either from weight in the small rivers or like a car or the Kansas River. We've done it from an anchor position and we walk bait. Now starting in about, oh, but we've never done what we now referred to as a controlled drift until about 
But what about the size of the live well? What kind of uh, the what kind of uh, gallon live well? And would you require uh, continuous water exchange capability in the live well? Yeah, definitely. You've got to be able to change the water in the live well. We have uh, ammonia build up in there on your fish. That's number one. Um, but number two, live well pot. I've been all over the place on different live well sizes. Currently, I'm running about a 70 gallon live well, which sounds small to a lot of people, but I've designed both that had 125 gallon live well. And when I went to using oxygen on board all the time, really all you have to do is have enough water to get over the field with the fish, and then you turn your oxygen on. They can be packed in that live well, side by side by side, as long as you're putting the oxygen in. 100 pound fish is 50 inches long, side by side. So the first thing on live well has got to be long enough to hold a 5 foot fish. But if you can create up 250 pounds of fish in there, and as long as you've got water over their gill, and you're exchanging that water in that live well, and you're putting oxygen in the they're absolutely fine. And that will That's great information there, John. Um, yeah, you, you had brought up the uh, trailering and the, um, you know, especially uh, long runs back to weigh-in. I know in my boat with the, uh, the with the pickup in the back of the boat, um, when I'm up on plane, um, I am not supplying my live well with fresh water. And uh, so... You know, the oxygen would make a big difference also, and the trailering, like you said. But, um, you know, if if we did have exemptions for the bigger fish and the, the tournament directors were responsible for making sure that the anglers that, um, you know, registered and participated in these tournaments met the requirements of, you know, of the requirements for these live wells and stuff, uh, do you think that would be the biggest factor in uh, these states, um, you know, letting us go ahead and start uh, getting these exemptions to where we could raise these limits? Yeah, I do. I mean, is that a way you can show that we can take care of the fish adequately? Because that's what it's all about. I mean, it's, it's fish the big fish. And, you know, in my opinion, most of the tournament anglers, they want to bring that fish to scale in the best possible shape that they can bring it to scale. Uh, and so if you're running your oxygen on there all the time, and like my boat, I'm sponsored by one. And one of one's uh, uh, biggest thing on their live well, in my opinion, they have the best 
Yeah, I'd like to read up more on that. Um, yes, and you know, for the for catfishing to really get, um, you know, a big crowd participations and for everybody to weigh in at the same time, I think it would be very important for you know to get everybody with the lot with the right uh, equipment to you know keep these fish a full eight or nine hours because I've been to uh, lots of tournaments to where. Uh, you know, guys have had to bring their fish in, uh, you know, after the tournament's only been on, you know, four or five hours and they've weighed, you know, 80 and 90 pound fish early and nobody's even been there to see these, uh, you know, these big, great fish being caught. And that's what it's all about is, you know, the crowd being there to be able to see all this. Yep, I agree with that 100%. And, uh, you know, because that's one thing that we're so good for, bro, is just, uh, you know, audience participation. People come to watch because, you know, they come to watch what they come for is to see that big fish. They want to see that big fish. And, and if you caught a fish, you had to bring in play early. A lot of the participants or the crowd or the audience, if you will, they're not going to get to see that big fish. They may be kept there in the tank, but it's always exciting for Okay, um, yeah, I've got uh, one more uh, about tournaments, uh, and then I'll pass it over to Lyle. Um, I've heard a lot of people that's been uh, catfishing for many years say that, uh, you know, the catfish directors and promoters, they're, they're, they're copying bass fishing uh, too much now, and they're getting away from uh, what catfishing was really meant. And I really don't understand a lot what they're talking about. I think they're talking about the, you know, copying the exact same tournament hours and, you know, trying to trying to mimic and do a lot of the same thing that the bass guys are doing. Um, what would you see the bass tournaments going back to or doing differently um, that would really 
set catfishing tournaments apart, uh, you know, fr from the. You broke up, Chuck. Chuck. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you again. Try it again. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, bass fishing, um, well, catfishing's been, people's been saying that the catfishing directors and stuff have been mimicking bass fishing a lot. And that a, a ways back, uh, when catfishing tournaments back in the early 2000s, um, when, when they were really going really good and getting a lot of participation, that the hours were a lot different. And I wasn't around too much at that time, and I really don't know what they're talking about. Uh, but do you see anything different from the way the tournaments are being ran now and uh, from the way that you've seen them run before and any changes that you would make now to tournaments that would make the tournaments better and participation and with uh, participants and, you know, the crowd and everything coming out and watching? You know, I understand the question to a certain extent. I, I to give you a little history, I've been fishing tournaments since about 1991, about 1990, roughly. Uh, first of all, there's been a lot of changes in tournaments over the years. Uh, but my opinion, if the catfish, if the tournament director mimic the bass world, BASS or whatever, you know, to me, there's nothing wrong with that. Just for the fact that, you know, why fix something that's not broken, number one. Um, number two, I, I think maybe what some of the complaints are about a little bit, especially in the central part of the United States, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, up in here, a lot of the anglers want to fish at They do not necessarily like the daytime tournament. So I understand that. And it, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. When you have a tournament, you have to cater to the participants, all the tournament anglers. You also got to keep in mind about your audience, because in order to drive this sport, make this sport bigger, you have to have outside participation. And the way you do that is you draw a big crowd, get the crowd excited, and make it kind of fast, and make them catfishing or buying catfish products. So that being said, if you're a tournament director, and this is probably where people think is mimicking the bass world, if you're a tournament director, if you really want to promote the sport, you've got to have a certain amount of daytime tournaments so you can have that weigh in at three to four o'clock in the afternoon, which is the time of day that most of your people in your audience or your uh, outside participation that they could be there comfortably come once away. You have a night tournament, say Saturday night and that tournament the way it gets over at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. A lot of people either A in bed or B going to church, they're not there. So what I see is when you have the day tournament which is kind of hard to the back side, you have a lot more people at the way in. Than you do when you have a night tournament, tournament with the, what the, the tournament fishermen want. They want to fish the night tournament, but then the next morning at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, you don't have very many people there to watch the 
You know, the, the guy I was talking to, he, he fished with you quite a bit, um, you know, and he, he was telling me about some tournaments that would, you know, they would start off at like 7 o'clock at night um, and then weigh-in would be, you know, 2 or 3 the next day. Did, did you enjoy those type of tournaments when you fished those? I, I have fished tournaments that lasted uh, – you know, actually longer than that. I enjoy fishing tournaments like that uh, just because it allows the participants to fish at night, fish during the night and the day both. Uh, and I would be all for that. Uh, the, probably the biggest drawback to it is, you know, just the danger aspect of it, keeping the people up for 20 hours straight or whatever the tournament hour is. You know, you're going to get some people good fall asleep on the way home after the tournament's over driving and that kind of stuff. So part of the thing the tournament directors have to look you know, look for is, you know, it's liability is being safe on the water and even after the tournament hour is over. You don't want a bunch of anglers that's really tired from being up a long time and uh, possibly having an accident on the way home. But you know, I like that kind of a tournament format. Uh, and I'd be all for that. Okay, great. All right. Um, we've had a few questions here on the chat, but hopefully Lyle can get around those. I'm going to pass it over to Lyle, and um, I appreciate the information you've given us, John. That was great stuff, man. No problem. I appreciate it, too. Thank you. Hey, John, Jason Mitchell wants to know if you're going to try drifting on a, a river that has fast current, like the Missouri, what would be your speed to drift at when you're bumping? Okay, what, what I normally do, and it depends on where you're at on the Missouri River, but the current on the Missouri River will run up to about five miles an hour. Um, maybe not quite that. It, it's just, we, we've had a lot of high water this year. Okay. Now, when you're drifting, he also would like to know what is your favorite areas to bump on a deep, deep bends in the river or L dikes or uh, right down the middle of the channel? Do you have a specific ledges? Uh, what What do you target? Well, these fish move around a lot at different times of year. 
there in different places, but if I had to just tell you, uh, you know, throw out something that we drift a lot, uh, I'm going to say outside band, you know, we'll start high on that outside band and we'll drift right into camp. So we're drifting the twisted or that band in the twisted part of that river. So what we typically find is Depends on time of year, things change a lot. This time of year right now, these fish will be in the middle to lower end of that bend in deep with water. So the top end of that bend has less current than it does down in the, the, the middle or where the tail end of it. But I, I believe the reason we catch more fish farther down in, in that bend this time of year. First of all, on a normal year without high water, and if we have a normal year where we're getting a lot of heat, right now our water temperature should be pushing 80 degrees. It's not. It's about 70 because it's been a cooler year, et cetera, et cetera. But we've got really hot water. We have less oxygen in that water. It doesn't hold the oxygen as well. <coughs> and I think on a normal year, the fish will be in that deeper, swifter part because That's great advice. He has one other thing that if you go to a new stretch of river that you've never been to, what kind of areas would you look for first? Uh, the way we go about a new area is two different things. Uh, again, we'll pull up all of our, our top of map or get on uh, Google Earth and we'll zoom in and look at uh, the whole river section of the whole. That's first we will target the bends in the river. Uh, usually the, the, the harder the bend, or you bend, and that kind of stuff, it's going to be deep the water, it's going to be quick the water. That's the way we can start. Once we're actually on the water, that's where we, we that's where I pick out the areas that I'm still working at. Once I'm actually on the water, I'm a big uh, electronic guy. Um, I'll get on the water and we'll spend hours grafting I can find fish with our electronics in the areas that we picked out uh, from Google Earth or on the map. That, that's, that's excellent information and it falls right into play. So I've been telling Cindy I've been doing it right because that's kind of the way we do it. And she tells me sometimes I don't do it right. But we're doing, you know, what we do is basically what you're talking about. So I guess I'm right in line. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's, there's a couple of, uh, of topics that you and Chuck went over. One in particular that I'd like to touch on for just a second. Um, I'm a big proponent of the three fish limit because running tournaments for nine years, I did never want to turn down someone that wanted to enter a tournament. If they wanted to enter the tournament, I wanted to take their money for to have for payout. Uh, and a lot of those guys do not have capability of keeping fish alive for eight hours, uh, three, three or uh, five quality fish. So we dropped and reduced the tournament um, a limit to three for the safety of the fish. Is do you think that that is a fair assessment, or, or should the guys that's fishing these tournaments 
either have to come in and weigh them or have the acceptable equipment to do that with? Well, first of all, I think the turn of the neighbor in respect to the fish should have the equipment on board to take care of the fish, number one. Uh, I agree with the three fish planner, with the exception of one thing. There are big fish fishermen that catch a lot of big fish, and there are fishermen that catch a lot of fish, not necessarily uh, three fish pounds, seven pound fish during the day. They may get uh, a bunch of small and kids and 30 pound fish. Uh -huh. Again, it's in my, my opinion to be fair across the board for anchors if you're going to get as many anchors as you can. My limit allows people that are not necessarily a big fish fisherman, if you will. There's some guys, all they do is market big fish, and they're really good at catching 50-pound fish. Four fish. That guy, if you limit it to three fish, has a better opportunity to win a tournament because you may catch one 70-pound fish. They have a team out here that's really good at catching 20-pound fish. They go get three 20 count fish. They, they caught five during the tournament. They're going to release to an end fish. They could have won that tournament. They didn't because they were forced to turn that fish loose. So for me, all tournaments, and it's really hard to be fair. It's hard to be fair for everybody. And again, it is my opinion that air or even playing field, you do it at five bits, so the guy that catches numbers has as good of an opportunity to win the tournament as the guy that's just catching one or two big fish. That makes and again, sense. And, I, and again, I'm on both sides of this fence for a while. I understand. I, 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 I like the regulation at three days because it's better for the fish. There's less fish being handled at the weigh-in. The weigh-in goes easier and smoother. But I don't think that that's necessarily the best thing for a lot of anglers. And I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. When tournaments first started, actually the first tournament I did was probably in 1980, early 80s. And even clear through. Most of the 90s, tournaments play in the 10th century. And I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of guys that were really good at just catching fish. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of guys that are good at just catching 10 to 30 pound fish. But the way in 10th century, they'll beat that big fish fisherman every time. Then I've seen it go to 7 fish, 7 fish play in. And the guy that just caught fish, he would still win the tournament and would go both ways. Then it went to five fish. When it went to five fish, the guy that just ran through numbers still had a pretty good opportunity to, to be there. And I think if you go to three fish play in, you pick that guy that's just a solid fisherman and just pick fish. I think it kicked him out of his place. I see. 
Well, and that's what that's what we want is your honest opinion. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody's not going to agree with what I say or what you say, but, you know, it's an honest opinion and that's all anybody can ask for. Um, I've got a couple of questions from chat, but I want to get into uh, one of them actually goes along with something that, that I have on my list. But uh, there's a couple of things that I want to touch on before I get to those chat questions. When you was talking about oxygen in your life, well, I've been using oxygen for a long time. I've never had an issue with a fish uh, when we had oxygen in our live well. Now, do you, it, I personally don't believe that it's necessary to have medical oxygen on these fish. Some people do. What's your take on that? No, we do not run medical oxygen. Uh, we just run regular oxygen and blood missing, but that's not why we're doing it. It's because, it's because I've never had a problem with just running regular oxygen on these beds. Now, I understand if you crank the oxygen up really high in your tank, you can do what's called burning your fish to right. make them red skin and just bad form because it's just too much. So really all we do is we're just cracking that oxygen. Uh, we've got a regulator. We're just running it very low on these beds, and we have never had a problem running regular oxygen. Right, my my regulator set on the lowest setting that it'll do, and like I say, I've never had an issue when we run oxygen on fish. And in, in cold weather, of course, I don't believe it's as necessary as when it gets hot. But I, we've never turned it up and never lost a fish. Never had one that uh, even slightly got. You thought there was something wrong with it. Oxygen is a wonderful thing, and, and as time goes along and people gain the experience, I think they'll learn that to be successful and to have big fish and keep them alive, that that is a necessity in their live ones. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think the guys that fish a lot that are true tournament anglers, they'll see that it's something that they need to do. I mean, this, this board has a long, long way to go. I've oh. seen it come in a long way over the years. But, and I don't just want to say that it needs the regulation that, uh, you know, the BASS guys have to go through. Because uh, I hear all the time, you know, well, somebody posts that in my boat, and they got, you know, a longer range, and they got a bigger fuel tank, and all that stuff. I mean, catfishing is a different sport. It I is. Want, uh, the tournament director, I mean, if you really want it to be fair, you all got to be fishing the same boat. You got to be fishing out of the same boat. We have to be fishing with Name of I agree 100%. The guys in chat are really lighting us up about bait. Uh, Rex would, or Brad Bex would like to know what kind of bait that you use, live or cut bait. I'm a cut bait person, mainly because I started blue cat. Uh, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I've fished, I've caught a lot of big classes in my life in a couple weeks. 
started on, and a lot of people don't know that. And we, my current partner and I, we've taught a lot of these projects. And I've used a lot of live bait on Bluecat, and I've taught a lot of Bluecat on live bait. But what I 99% of the time fit now is something for several different reasons. A, it's easier to be. You don't have to try to keep live bait on board. And B, an actual I think if they're hungry, they'll take about anything that floats down to them. And if they're not hungry, the only time you get them to bite is if you just aggravate them enough with putting it in front of their faces, they'll just go ahead and bite it just to get rid of it. Absolutely. I mean, it's a wonder about having a live well on board. I mean, we'll, we'll take, even when we're out by fishing, we'll take a lot of fish because I want to see what they're eating. Because if you look in your live well at the end of the tournament day, or we go fishing there, they almost always regurgitate what they can eat. That's right. And there'll be everything you can imagine will be in there. We found birds in there. We found all kinds of fish. I found, you know, clams. Uh, I had a fish. I took one of the furry fishers by office with me last year to fish. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Great information there, guys. Um, Chad Wall would like to know what kind of diffuser you're using for your oxygen system. Right now, but the actual diffuser I do is a. It makes it 
turn it on and let water seep out all over the ground. So I've got a ring that's a, a ring about the size of a small, a big saucer, small dinner plate or a big saucer. And it's made out of this stuff. It's got some lead in it that holds it down to the bottom. So when the oxygen goes in there in that ring, it's just thousands of little honey bubbles coming out around the that ring. That's excellent. Excellent. You're great information, John. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I watched a video of you a few years ago where you was doing an interview with a gentleman and you was talking about um, adding blood or soaking your bait in blood. And I never did really find out how that panned out for you. Can you uh, tell us about that experiment? tackle and, and um, uh, that's a great venue for you I'm glad to see you in the in the industry uh, for sales retail uh, guys can contact your company and get anything you want get they get all their stuff that that you offer anytime they want just by you I'm sure you have a website and we'll go through that here in just a little bit but uh, my perspective of this is and I'm not picking names or naming anybody out or any particular order or name, but but we need the the Rip and Lips products and the John Jamesons and the Dave Ashby's and uh, we need uh, Adam at Tombstone. We need all these companies that are involved in our sport to help it grow. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, very divided. Uh, any sport is. When they're playing, you know, 
see that and i and i know a lot of the tournament guys also use your stuff so uh, it's it, that's a hit double hit for you and it's good for the industry it's good for them guys it's good for the average that joe that goes out here on sunday afternoon and wants to go fishing he doesn't have to buy a 150 or 200 dollar rod to go he can get a quality product and go on and go fishing um jason has another i'm sorry Uh, Jason has another question about drifting. Uh, how many times do you turn around and go back through an area once you've been through it and nothing happened? When I've got certain areas that we've drifted for years uh, that we may, I, I've got one bank that's a half mile long that we'll drift over and over and over and over and over <laughs> uh, because I know, you know, fish are kind of like deer and turkey. You watch deer and turkey, you hey, they're a little, to me, you're a big game animal versus the pattern and what catfish are. First of all, you can see them, I mean, you can see when they're moving. But if you watch that deer and turkey, they'll have specific times of the day that they go to feed, both the times in the morning or in the evening, right before dark. Easy to pattern, you can see blue cats are the same way. If you have a stretch of water that you're taking fish on, cats. You know, I've got banks that I know at some point during the day, in an eight-hour eight period, that much bank is going to light up and then the fish are going to hide on that time. Part of this is just experience. So, you've got to make sure you follow on this time. You've got confidence that he's going to be there, he's going to be the waiter. By all means, he's going to be confident because Sometimes, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, we just, we had a tournament the other day, we finished third in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, we should have been first, but we got to this thing that I know very well, and, and I got there about 10 minutes before dark. We took three, so two seventeens and a 22 down below in the boat in less than 10 minutes. So first 10 minutes of the time. Fish fell off of on me and dark. Uh, that bank, I knew the fish was going to be there. I knew they were going to bite before dark. And we had two other fish. 
same thing. You know, a lot of times we'll drift that same thing over and over and over because, you know, everybody knows if it's a good day, you're going to get bit in the morning. It usually gets bit right before dark or a little bit after dark. But if you bump a lot, almost always at some point in the afternoon, when it's still bump in the middle of the day, middle of the afternoon, that thing will wide up again. You may not say 26, you may say three or four or five. But at some point during the day, <laughs> I agree. John, there's one more question that I have personally for you, and, and I think that this will about cover everything that I had. Um, there is a lot of tournament series operating at present time, more than we've ever had in catfishing before. I have for years been a proponent of all the guys getting together everywhere nationwide and making one unified set of rules. Um, I think that would benefit the sport. I think it would benefit all the tournament series. I think it would benefit uh, the sponsors and everyone involved. And I would just like your opinion on what you think about that. I agree with that for the most part. The problem is, is getting everybody to agree on the same thing. Uh, it makes it with a much easier for the tournament anglers to have a uniform set of rules. That uh, way, hopefully, you don't have to go to all the free tournament meetings and all of that stuff where it's redundant or places to go. So, so I'm a big proponent of. Standard set of rules, it's not broken, don't try to fix them. Uh, the problem is, in my opinion, is trying to get everybody to agree on one set, one set of rules. I think that would be very hard, but I would like to see that. I would too. I, I actually tried just to get four or five uh, uh, organizations together so we could all pick a weekend, a month, to have tournaments so everybody that wanted to fish tournaments, they could pick out or fish all of them or any part of them that they wanted. And I couldn't even get four, four groups to get together to pick out a weekend. So, I, it, you know, it, it's very hard. Uh, I, I really do think that that's something that these tournament directors should strive for. There needs to be an organization for tournament directors to get together and discuss rules and try to make something uh, uh, together. And, and Heath Malone sent me a message. It's a three fish, three fish, three fish. And, and I agree with that. A lot of people do not. But, you know, if you could get uh, a, a ruling where everybody – decided, well, we're not going to do trailer, or we are going to do trailer, and we're going to use six rods, no more, no less, uh, whatever the case may be, and make it a unified set of rules and and go nationwide with that or area-wide. If it, if it won't work for what the guys out on the East Coast, then, then have a set that is as close as you can make them for those guys, and the Midwest guys have a set. But if everybody was playing on the same field, I think you'd see a lot more participation because guys could fish over with Brad in Kansas City, and they could come over and fish with Alex over on our side of the state, or they could go up and fish with Tom and Timmy up in Peoria if or Springfield, Illinois. If, if these things was all together and the rules was the same, I think it would make it a lot simpler for the boys that are trying to fish the tournaments. Yeah, it would definitely make it 
Oh, I, I, yeah, and we've adjusted that. You know, we went from from the three fish limit on on in ch specifically channel count water to five. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it, there's there's got to be some give and take on some of that stuff. And for years, I wouldn't. You know, three fish was all I would do. And Alex and I talked about that. And he wanted to go with it, and it's a, it's a great thing because uh, some areas that we go to, uh, you'll catch five channel cats and they'll all be over 10 pounds other areas you go to there'll be channel cats you won't ever catch a 10 pound channel cat I think you're right a lot of it does have to do with trailering, and I'm I'm not a proponent of that, and I know a lot of guys are, and uh, you know that's that's great if they like it, but uh, you know it is what it is, and we'll we'll make best do. Maybe someday we can put this together. That'd be awesome. You know, and, and I think it's possible. What we need is you know in all reports, and maybe as well after my lifetime is over, somebody going bird as a agree with you 100%. John, we appreciate your time so much. Um, we're going to, do you have anything else for him, Chuck? Uh, yeah, I've got one more thing. Uh, I've seen you and, um, you know, not many guys in the catfishing industry, but a lot of the walleye guys are, are running the, you know, 18, 19, and 20-foot tiller-handled V-hole boats. Um what kind of advantage do you see by running a uh, a tiller handled boat, uh, John? Very clearly and very very distinctly in the panic in it. That's part of the reason I'm on one's protest is because they offer a big tiller. I'm running basically a 21 foot boat with 240 tiller. Uh, all power steering, no pull. I can turn that boat or run it 55 miles an hour with one thing. Stay wherever you leave them. The main reason that I'm running just goes back to the way that I fit. My number one way that I fit in my past and the way I like to fit is I like to do a control through I like to talk. And to talk the Missouri River or the Mississippi River all day and talk current on an outside band with the solar motor, not going to happen. You're going to run out of power. Period. I very rarely 
anymore in hot water ever drop my trolling My killer handle, I have a feature built right into the handle where I can a plus, plus mark and a minus mark. I can regulate the RPMs on my motor. I drop that motor in, I slow that prop down where it's barely concerning. So my motor is essentially my trolling motor, my big motor is my trolling motor on the big river. I don't run out of battery. Awesome. Great. And also, do you, do you see having a lot more room getting around the boat without consoles and all that stuff and being able to set your electronics up where that's a lot more uh, efficient for you? Yeah, my electronics are right beside me with the and I like the open boat concept. There's nothing in the way. You know, we film quite a few TV shows. There's plenty of to film out of. You know, and as always, there's always downsides to everything. You know, if it's raining or sleeting or snowing, an open boat concept is a pain in the neck. You know, you want, <laughs> I want that video to get behind that. Yeah. But most of the days, most of the time, I want that snowing handle. And the other thing that happens to if you got a boat with a big windshield, you know, like the Missouri says, the Mississippi River is primarily runs north and south, primarily. We get a lot of south wind during the summer, and that's when we're bumping. I've seen days on the Mississippi River, but if you're trying to drift into the wind, and you've got a full windshield, it'll stop that boat dead. You'll even blow it up river. And the, the windshield just acts as a big parachute for even drifting on a lake. Once you get rid of that windshield in that boat, your boat immediately becomes much easier to control. It's easier to stay on a lake once, don't get some way up in the air, get the wind. Uh, it's just easier. Uh, but again, if you've got a family, you know, if you're using this boat for, for boating and taking the wife out and that kind of stuff, an open boat concept is probably not for you. But for the way that I do what I do, I will never go back to a windshield until I get so old that I've got to hide behind something. <laughs> <laughs> just, just buy just buy some better fray bills huh there you go <laughs> all right john it was great having you on i hope we can have you on again and i'm gonna turn you back over to lyle and let him close you out and i appreciate all the tips you've given us and everybody appreciates it um you know, the more of these guys, the more I learn, the more everybody learns and shares, the, the further we're going to go with everything. Well, John, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for, for you being on the show and sharing tips and trade, trade secrets and stuff with us. I know everybody that watches the show appreciates it. They all know who you are. They all know your success stories. And, and it's very important that guys like you and our, some of our other guests here, uh, uh, Larry Muse and Jeff Dodd and the Massengill brothers and uh, I, uh, Carl Morris was on a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we've had some really good guys and you guys sharing this information with, with not only the novice fishermen, but experienced guys. I, you know, I've picked up a bunch of stuff, you know, from, from listening to you guys. So I, I can't thank you enough for everything you do. And if you have, 
someone or something that you would like to promote or sponsors that you'd like to talk about, I'll give you some time here to go through whatever it is that you need to talk about. Well, I appreciate that opportunity, and, and I won't take up a lot of time on that. Uh, but uh, the main one is my personal uh, fishing company it's called Riffin List, and uh, you can get online, riffinlist.net, uh, and see all of our products there. And again, we're in almost every major store in the United States, and a lot of the uh, uh, pop stores all over. So take an opportunity, take it. Take a look at what we have to offer there. I appreciate that very much. I can't get off the, the phone without saying thank you to Marcos and to Murphy, Marine, and Sabella's and, and uh, Sabella's team cat and Minnesota and Huffington. I've got a little bit of very important that had on all the rod shop in the city. You know, we've got our own supplier. Well, John, again, thank you so much, and, and I'm sure that if you will would agree to come on the show, we would love to have you at a future date and, and uh, get you back on here and talk about some more stuff, because I know uh, we really didn't get involved with Rip and Lip stuff, and I know a lot of people would like to know about that, so if you're interested, we'd love to have you on a future date. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, John Jameson. Thanks, John. All right. Good show. Well, Chuck, do you have any closing statements for this evening? Uh, no, I'm good for tonight. You've been good doing that for here lately quite a bit. Not, not a whole lot of tournaments going on. I, there was one last week that I missed, uh, you know, and some, uh, you know, some really good guys, um, you know, TNA catfishing. Um, you know, they, they came out with five good flatheads up in Rome, Georgia, and, and, and really put a whooping on some people. And, um, you know, that was, a I I was wanting to go up there so bad and, and, you know, get with them guys and, you know, hang out, do a little bit of fishing, but it just didn't work out for me. So, you know, I don't really have anything going on to the 19th of this month when I go up to, uh, Lake Gunnersville for the Cabela's tournament. So. I just got a couple of weeks to get my stuff together for it and hopefully do some pre-fishing and, and uh, start saving some money to go to Owensboro. <laughs> I think we're all <laughs> counting on that. I sent Aaron a couple messages that we need to get him on the show and, and so he can go through all the stuff. If anything has changed or what has, and let us know about all the people that's entered the tournament and everything. I know he's a very busy guy, but if we could get Aaron Wheatley to come on here again and, and help us, uh, clarify everything uh, i think it'd be a great deal um the only thing that i really have uh, 
Twisted Cat Outdoors will be having their year-end tournament in Grafton, Illinois, September the 12th. Um, it ought to be a great event. We have, we've had some really, really good uh, tournaments this year. And, and while we're on that, um, about 10 years ago, I started Twisted Cat Outdoors with the help of J.D. Richardson and Chris Cordia and Keith Atkins, great friends of mine. Keith and I used to fish together a lot. And it got to the point where we was doing so much tournament work, we didn't get to fish, and we didn't get to do this, and we didn't get to do that. And I found Alex Nagy, and Alex and his wife Elizabeth have, have took this year to decide if they would like to run catfishing tournaments. They've done an outstanding job. They brought Yeti into it. They brought Days Marine and Sea Ark and uh, different companies involved with the tournament series, and I can't thank them enough. And I'm going to let the world know right now that they have done the job that I knew that they could. They enjoy doing it. And, and people think this industry is all about money. I have given. Twisted Cat Outdoors Tournament Series to Alex and Elizabeth. I had zero dollars for it. I didn't want anything. All I ever wanted was for someone to take it and promote it and do with it as it should. I believe I found the right people for that and that we're going to pass the torch on and let the young guys take it and do with it as they will. And I know Alex and Elizabeth will do a wonderful job as they've had this year. Um, if that's it for you, Chuck, I think I've had all I know tonight, and uh, we'll close her out. Thanks, everybody, for watching Catfish Weekly.